Ah, a special Sean McVay introduction as we kick what? off a new season. Wow. Man, that's huge. I'm juiced. Welcome back, everyone, with DeMarco Farm. Maurice Jones-Drew, I'm J.B. Long. I agree. I am as excited for a football season at any level as I have ever been in my entire life, and I think with good reason. Where are you guys at as we prepare to kick off Monday Night Football with the Rams in Oakland? Yeah, well, you know, it, it's going to be a crazy weekend for me. You know, and I'm, I think there's going to have to be a segment on this show because I'm coaching youth football this year as well. So we play on Saturday against the Union City Colts. And then we, then I come back and we, we're in Oakland on Monday. So this is going to be a crazy weekend. Uh, I'm juiced though. I think just it's don't go be nuts awesome. on the kids. Yeah. Don't well, take it out on I, the kids. I did it. I did it yesterday. So okay. we should have a great practice today and then we can move on. I'm with him. For me, Metallica ain't working right now. I mean, usually I can put that on and let, let the adrenaline kind of ooze out of me. It's not working. I can't wait to get the game day. Uh, coming up on this edition of Rams All Access, we will hear from Sean McVay. We will hear from Jared Goff. We'll go to Raiders territory and get John Gruden's take on their Khalil Mack trade. Uh, John Sullivan had some interesting words uh, at center for the Rams as we begin a new season. But let's not waste any time. Let's go right to predictions in our first Rams All Access poll question of the season. Of course, it's how many regular season wins do you expect for the 2018 Los Angeles Rams? Nearly 700 votes. 46% of them feel like 12 or more are in store. Another 31% expecting the Rams to duplicate last year's 11-win performance. Uh, only 23% say 10 or fewer combined. So that's where the fan base is at mentally at the outset. Fair or unfair? Where do you guys fall on this spectrum? Uh, fair. I, I, I don't think I've ever been here before where expectation is so high, where optimism is so high around this football team around this time of year. Uh, everybody's always excited for kickoff, but uh, it's never been like that. 41% say 12 wins or better. Never seen that before. Not in, gosh, 15 years has it been like that. So um, I'm right there with them. I, I think 12 wins is possible. Just looking at this team on paper. Now they got to go out and prove it. they got to go out and back it up. And there's a few question marks out there coming through preseason. So we just don't know yet. But if they play up to the names on the back of the jersey, 12 wins should be a guarantee. MJD, a lot of people think that the NFC West outside of Los Angeles is the softest division in an extremely strong NFC. But the Rams' schedule is a first-place schedule. Yeah, you know what? Um, I, I kind of feel like Aaron Donner, what he said, where he was like, I've been there with the bad, and now I want to be here with the good. And I think... Uh, Regardless of what the schedule is, regardless of what the the opponents are going to be, the division, how it looks on the outside, you still have to go to Seattle, which is a tough place to play. The Niners are an up-and-coming team. The Cardinals, a lot of people don't talk about them. They still are a really good team. They went 8-8 last year with Drew Stanton. And no offensive line. And no offensive line. And no David Johnson. Yeah, so think about that. That that is a really good team. So you have to think about those things. I still feel like the Rams, you know, my personal take is 14-2. I know it's a lot of a lot of pressure. Wow. You, again, I know when I say we, the Rams weren't good at home, but you know you're getting all those tough opponents from you know the Midwest or the East Coast to come all the way to L.A. You have an opportunity to really take care of home and, and handle your business. Uh, this is the first edition of Rams All Access, previewing every single game this season for your Los Angeles Rams with DeMarco Farr and Maurice Jones-Drew. I'm J.B. Long. Which newcomer will have the biggest impact on the Rams' fortunes? Sue, Tlaib, Peters, Cooks? Who do you like to arrive in Los <laughs> Angeles and make the biggest splash in their first fall with the franchise? This might be the toughest question you've ever asked. They're all great. There's yes. no wrong answers here. Yeah, I mean, they're all great. Um, to see who ha- who has the greatest impact, um, I want to say Sue, but 
you may not be able to quantify that. You may not be able to see that in the stat column. Maybe if you count rushing yards going down or sacks going up. Uh, but it may not be just him. So I'll go with Tlaib. I think he has the biggest chance to have the most wow games with pick sixes and just shutting guys down. If he can be that guy, that same guy. So I'll go with Tlaib. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with Peters. And, and, and the reason being is he leads the NFL since he's been in the league in turnovers, causing turnovers, it's forced fumbles, if it's you know interceptions. I mean, he's just a ball hawk. And, and we saw last year uh, – the Rams defense needed those turnovers sometimes in those games, and, and they got some here or there if it was a strip sack. But now, if you put the ball in there, you have two young, you have a, yeah. a young corner and a, another veteran corner who can go out there and make you pay. And I, I think most people are going to try Marcus Peters more than they do to leave early. I love what he said about the impact of the front that the Rams have assembled. He put it in these terms: what it means is one one thousand, two one thousand. Three one thousand, you're sacked, or that ball better be out, and you know he's going to be playing that off man spy coverage. Oh, you don't get double moves. You shouldn't be able to get double moves now that Donald is back as a cornerback. That first read you get is probably going to be the route jump that thing because the quarterback is going to be sitting there with pressure, instant pressure. But it's been a long time, and I can't remember the last time a quote unquote number one receiver has been shut down. Not taken away because the game went a different direction. I'm talking shut down one-on-one with one guy. Well, what I like about it is you, you have depth. You know, you don't have to play Sue and Donald all the time. Sometimes you just play Donald. Sometimes you can play mm-hmm. Sue. Those guys can get rest. You can put other guys in there, and you still have a dominant pass rusher on the front end. And that means the guys on the back end can do what you just said, JB, what Marcus Peters said. Sit and wait and, and play this game. Mm-hmm. Marcus Peters was, was doing this in, in Kansas City with, with you know, a decent pass rush. Yeah, they have Houston, some guys that can, yeah. they have some guys that can get to the quarterback, but they were hurt a ton. Imagine now what you'll be able to do with interior pass rush, which is the toughest thing to get right away from when you're a quarterback. All right, so MJD goes Peters and uh, Demarco Farr goes a keep to leave for the biggest impact on the new additions. How about newly extended Rams? They handed out a whole lot of money this offseason, tied with the Chicago Bears for the most in the National Football League. Brandon Cooks, Todd Gurley, Aaron Donald, or Rob Havenstein, which newly extended Ram contractually will have the best year coming off putting pen to paper? Todd Gurley and Aaron Donald, the bar is set so high, right? It's it's tough to say, like, okay, if Todd goes for 1,800 yards, is that a a big deal where he went for 2,000 last year? If Aaron Donald comes in and gets 14 sacks when he had 12 and 14 games, right? So, um, I don't know. I don't know. Gurley well, has I, a chance to join yeah. Falk and Dickerson as the only Rams back to go back-to-back 2,000 yards from scrimmage. I think the answer is duh. It's probably going to be 99, right? I mean, yeah. you're talking about the best player in the game, or at least at his position, and he's back and motivated and ready to play. And he's got fresh legs. Got to yeah, go through he, any training got, camp or yeah. any preseason. I'm sure he's in shape, so you know, look out, Oakland. But, you know, this is funny. It may be a boring pick, but I'll pick Havenstein. If you keep Jared Goff upright for 16 weeks, yeah, you're you in need. the postseason. You're probably in a first-round buy situation. So I'll go with Havenstein. Underrated signing because yeah. in the rare instance where he was taken off the field last year, you remember what happened. Yes, it was a jailbreak out there. Yep. Yeah, I mean, and he's getting nothing but better. So I like that right side, especially when Jamon gets his butt back in the lineup. All right, so that was kind of the big part of the offseason, the additions, the trades, the signings. But kind of what flew under the radar was the draft, and the Rams selected 11 picks. Uh, 10 of them currently on the 53-man roster. That's a much higher percentage than I would have expected given how few roster spots we felt were available. How do you select a Rams Rookie of the Year? How do you forecast from that group of 10 who might make the biggest dent in the Rams Can this I year? tell you who I hope it's not? 
Joseph Noteboom. I was going to say that. I, <laughs> I hope he's that. not rookie of the year because that means something happened to Wit. Right. Um, f- fantasy pick, maybe? Justin Lawler. Out of nowhere, solidifies an outside linebacker spot and won't give it up. I'll go with him. Hmm. Yeah, it has to be either one of the defensive linemen or, you know, I don't. I, it's just hard to pick right now because the only way these guys are going to get in is if one, someone gets hurt and they get hurt for a long period of time, or or two, they're just special teams demons like Corey Littleton was last year. Mm-hmm. So I, I, it's going to be tough. Maybe Franklin Myers is maybe the guy that I go with that because he he'll get on the field and he'll get some rush opportunities. Yeah, it's interesting. You don't want to wish rookie of the year caliber seasons on any of them because of what. It might mean for the Rams. I do find it interesting that they're willing to roll with Blythe, presumably as a starting right guard, and only three backup offensive linemen, all of whom are rookies from this draft class, as we await Jamal Brown coming back from that suspension. As it stands, if you count the uh, practice squad with uh, Luis Perez, the Rams have as many backup quarterbacks as they do backup offensive linemen. Interesting. (laughs) Interesting. So that's how they attack week one against the Oakland Raiders. All right, coming up. McVay meets his mentor. We'll hear about the new wrinkles that Sean McVay and Jared Goff might have in store. Who has the information advantage after McVay did not play his offense in the preseason? And John Gruden returns after a decade. More after this on Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710. Yeah, there's a bunch. There's a bunch of stuff we've been working on this offseason that uh, we're ready to kind of display on Monday night. And you know, a lot of the stuff's from last season as well that we're going to continue to do, and then there's a lot of new stuff that we're doing, and, uh, and what what we're going to do and how we're going to do it, I don't know. But uh, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that we're excited to to put on on the field finally that we've been working on for so long this off season, and um, a lot of that is carryover. A lot of it's not. Jared Goff from 0 and 7 to a Pro Bowl sophomore campaign, back for 2018, and back with Demarco Farr, Maurice Jones, Drew. I'm JB Long. Who has the better element of surprise in Week 1 as the Rams go to Oakland? Is it McVay and Goff and the Rams who did not play their starters, did not show the new wrinkles in their offense? Or is it Gruden who was running pro sets in that preseason <laughs> game at the Coliseum trying to give the Rams something to think about? Uh, for me, I think I think it's McVay. And the reason being is he's coming with a group that's confident and, and that understands what they're trying to do. And they're not in that first year and they're trying to gain the confidence uh, like last year. So... You can throw a little bit more at your guys. Um, I was talking about it on air a couple of times about how a playbook is, is like, you know, if you have children, it's like a chapter book where you re- you know, they read first and second chapter and they do that a couple of times and you go to third and fourth. Well, McVeigh and the Rams are on their third and fourth chapter right now in season two where John Gruden's on chapter one right now with the Oakland Raiders. So you have to do the basic things that your guys understand well and can play fast at. And if you try to put too much on their plate, you'll mess them up. Restate the question again. From the defensive perspective, yeah. put yourself in Wade Phillips' shoes. Okay. Are you going back and you studying Buck's Super Bowl tape of John Gruden? Are you looking more at what Greg Olson might bring to that offense? Like, what are you expecting? Personnel packages with all their tight ends, with, you know, Keith as their fullback? Like, what are you looking at? Well, you kind of have an idea of what he's going to try to do. He's got Jordy Nelson. Amari Cooper on the outside. He's got Jared Cook, a hybrid tight end that's better detached, right? And then he's got Marshawn Lynch in the backfield. And a pretty good offensive line. And a quarterback that can get it anywhere. So, I don't know if studying old John Gruden film is going to help you decipher what he's going to try to do to you on Monday. I mean, I would start by studying Marshawn Lynch stuff. Break that down. What is he like? And then Doug Martin stuff. What is he like? And how is he going to get the football? Where does he want it? And then study those blocking combinations, because those things will carry over to Monday. But you know, trying to predict how John Gruden is going to open the game or 
what type of game he's going to call, I have no idea. Sean McVay, Wade Phillips has no idea. You have to be ready for just about everything. Same thing with Sean McVay. Not so much from a play call perspective. What are they going to do differently? Are they going to go no huddle? Are they going to speed it up? Quick counts. All that little stuff that you haven't seen in the preseason that you have to be ready for week one. So as a defensive coordinator and as a defender, you are practicing against just about everything that you might see. And then on any given moment in the game, okay, they're not doing this, they're doing this, we can just play this here. So you kind of don't know, you have to prepare for the world. I think when you talk about Gruden, though, you, you do want to go back and kind of see what some of the stuff that he did when he was when he was coaching, right? He's going to come out and Different personnel packages every other play. What do you say? Right? He wants to take it back to 93 or whatever? Well, he said yeah. 98 or whatever yeah, it was. But, but the thing is, you have to remember, he's going to come out in three tight end sets. Then he's going to come out with three wide receivers. He's going to switch you in and out because the West Coast offense is trying to get you off your game. What Wade Phillips does very well is he allows his guys to play fast. And it's real simple. If you, if you, if he can keep that defensive game plan simple and allow those guys to play fast, you'll be fine because you're better at certain positions than the Raiders are, uh, or you're better as the Rams defenders as some of the certain, uh, offensive players. So you can be more athletic and do some better things. Uh, I think for Coach McVay though, his key, you have to go out and score right away and keep that doubt in their mind. You just traded Khalil Mack. This defense is in shambles. If you go out and score and put up seven on the first series and it looks easy, oh, the game's over. Last time the Raiders' defense ranked in the top half of the league in points allowed was 2002, and they just traded away one of the best defensive players in the game. And from McVay's perspective, it's not just Gruden calling plays on the Raiders' offense. It's new coordinator Paul Gunther, who finally gives the Raiders, I think, a true even-front identity that they've kind of been right. bouncing back and forth uh, between in, in recent years. So here's Sean McVay on the lack of true Raiders film with new coordinators on both sides of the ball. It does, and really, you know, it's about, you know, specifically from a defensive standpoint, uh, doing a good job of playing your rules, playing your keys, and, and uh, you know, adjusting, because, you know, you're probably going to throw out a bunch of different personnel groupings, uh, might mix in some different tempos, and we've got to be ready to adjust accordingly, and uh, that's where defense is so reactionary driven, but if we play sound with our run fits, uh, we're sound in our matches with whatever the formations or different things based on the coverage concepts we're running, um, you know, guys should be able to play confident. I have no doubt that this offense, if they play up to snuff, should be able to dominate this defense, especially now that Khalil Mack is gone. Even with Khalil Mack, I still think the Rams playing up to snuff, just looking at the Rams' depth chart on defense. You should be able to handle these guys, even in a true 4-3. So here's my question. It's not rust. It's not rhythm. I think they've been practicing hard and well enough that I think they'll be sharp. But I, I do wonder, not just for this game, but over the course of, say, the month of September, Will Sean McVay strike the right balance between sticking to the bread and butter that helped them score the most points in football last year versus evolving to keep opponents guessing, knowing that the Raiders and pretty much everyone else throughout football studied him and Jared Goff and Todd Gurley throughout this offseason? I think that's where efficiency comes in, and when he calls it, you have to hit it because he doesn't want to have to call two in the red zone. He doesn't want to have to blow those plays. We, right. You remember those coaches' shows when he, uh, part of the reason he was upset with a touchdown being called back, where were we? Dallas. In Dallas. Robert Woods' first touchdown catch should have been in the back of the end zone. Instead, they had to run another red zone play. Right. He wanted the, the points, definitely, but he was upset that he had to burn a red zone play. But now that's on tape. So show as little as you need to to get the W so you can move on to week two. You know what I mean? It's funny you say that because when you talk to a lot of coaches, it's always about the W in front of you, right? So you can't really game plan for the next game. You just have to be able to make some adjustments for it. You have to go out and win this one because 
similar to last year, you go out and you put up 46 on the Colts, and all of a sudden, everyone's like, who's this Rams offense? What's going on? What is all? Even though they weren't running the ball well, yeah. they were throwing the ball over the yard. And then guess what? The next week, everyone played, or was it the Redskins? Everyone played against the pass, and then Todd was able to get off a little bit. And then now all of a sudden, you have this, this balance. And so you want to stay balanced at the end of the day. And I think the biggest concern, or not the concern, the biggest question is how, with the, the new wrinkles and things, how does that involve the running game? Because that's what hurt us in the, in the playoffs. So new wrinkles. Give me a sense. What might that look like? I know you don't have the playbook in front of you, but what next... 2.0 version of Sean McVay, Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, might we see? That, to me, that's the thing. How and where you put Todd and how you use it. Yeah. I mean, stuff that once you see it as a defense, you'll have a chance to adjust to it. But for the first time, you're going to be either call timeout or get beat because the personnel grouping has beat your personnel grouping. We can't cover this, and now we know it. So you don't want to put too much of that stuff out before it. The worst thing in the world used to be, was to show a, a punt block in oh. the preseason. And oh you get it in the preseason. You block it. It's great. Everybody's happy. You're you, looking at the Saints. Yeah. You, <laughs> you, you go, your fan base goes nuts, but your special teams coach is pulling his hair out. Why? Because that was a guaranteed block we could have used in the regular yeah. season. Now they can prepare for it. Well, yeah. I, th- I think the other thing is, and you, you hit it on the head, DeMarco, when you're talking about Todd Gurley, where is he going to line up? Last year, towards the end of the season, we started to see him play a little wide receiver, a little slot. Just little things that you started to, like, oh, okay, we can, we can work with this. We saw him catch a drive route against Tennessee. You look at Le'Veon Bell, the way the Pittsburgh Steelers used him running slants, different things they were taking advantage of. You see David Johnson, uh, two years ago when he, we played here, they had him run a, a 16-yard speed out. I mean, they're finding ways. So if you mm-hmm. find those may be the little wrinkles that we're talking about, as well as Brandon Cooks doing some different things because he played running back in high school and he has that ability to you, do those things. You as set well. me up perfectly because I have a visual from training camp being down at Irvine and Todd split out next to Brandon Cooks and Cooks ran 4 3. Todd never ran the 40 because Mm-mm. of that injury. So we don't really know how, how truly top end fast he is. But seeing those two on the same side made me wonder, is Todd even the fastest player on this team anymore, on the offense? I mean, did they go out and find someone even faster than Todd and what Brandon, what Brandon might be able to do to run defenders off on Todd's side of the field? I mean, I, I, you can find ways, and I, I think you see a little bit of what Kyle Shanahan did as well. You have to remember, all these guys are in the same room. McVay, Gruden, Shanahan, they're all coming from the same system. And they find ways to put guys in different positions to make plays. Yeah. And you've added different players. Don't forget Robert Woods was the number one wide receiver. And don't forget Cooper Cup. No, please was, forget like, it. Like, <laughs> understand, like, there's these, uh, there's all these weapons. Yeah. It's really pick your poison at the right. end of the day. And they can be running the most simple concepts, but it's really pick your poison and we're it's just playing fast. Be tempo and play action. And I remember in 2000 when Mike Martz took over our football team. And uh, San Diego came to town with Rodney Harrison and Junior Seau. This is great defense. Couldn't wait to play our offense. And Mike didn't throw the ball until three minutes to go in the first half. Or didn't run the ball, excuse me. It was just all passing. Absolutely just drove them bonkers with quick passing. That could be stuff Mc- McVay throws yes. at the Raiders. That could be stuff Gruden throws at the Rams. You just don't know because you haven't seen it yet. One other kind of personnel information advantage question to wrap up this segment, and that is the Greg Olson factor. Uh, and, and MJD, only. I know he's, he's a friend of yours. Does anyone outside of Cal Lutheran, outside of the Rams organization, know Jared Goff's flaws better than Olson after a year of working with Hopefully him? Hopefully Goff. <laughs> right? Well, I, I think, you know, that's always the, the double agent question, right? When, when a guy goes to a team that you're going to play, does he give those secrets? Uh, Ole's worked with him. You know, uh, Matt LaFleur has worked with him. McVay's worked with him. So they know what he can and can't do. The question is, do you know when those plays are coming to stop it? 
And that's what it comes down to defensively. Would that be an information advantage in your defensive room if you had someone who worked with Goff in a Pro Bowl season saying, hey, yeah. he was really effective because, but if we can make him do this, this is what he didn't like to do or the throws he didn't like. We and took this out of our game plan. I don't know if it's cheating. I'd use the TV copy and get his cadence if I could. I'd, I'd, I'd dial my defense on everything Jared does if I'm going the other way. Those That's free just the way fives were an underrated part of the Rams' offensive success last year, weren't they? Big time. What Jared did with his cadence? Big time. Yeah, he's he's great at drawing you off or freezing you. And he's good at voice inflection. I would definitely show that or let my defense hear that before they played him. All right, how about the revamped defense? The Rams invested so much in their offense in the first year of the McVay era. They went from worst to first in scoring. Now they put their resources on the defensive side of the football. Might we see a similar resurgence from the Rams' defense now that Aaron Donald is under contract? Coming up, what will Sue, Brockers, and Donald look like together? This is Rams All Access previewing Week 1 at Oakland on ESPN LA 710. All right, coming up, might the defense for the Los Angeles Rams outperform Form their top scoring offense. That's in just a moment, but back with DeMarco and Maurice. I'm JB Long preparing for the Oakland Raiders in week one, the final game of the opening week of the regular season. I wanted to uh, play my favorite soundbite from training camp for you and get your reaction before we dive into the defense. This is John Sullivan, uh, also came back to the Rams with a two year deal. Uh, to work with McVeigh and to work with Jared Goff, but I asked him during training camp if this offense takes the field on Sundays, feeling like their head coach is a competitive advantage. This is how it went. He's worth wins. You know, coaching in the NFL is incredibly important. And uh, I think Sean's right up at the top. You know, he's just got to do it for a long time. But, you know, there's nobody I'd rather be playing for. And he equal, Sean McVay equals wins. It's just the way it is. Nothing scarier than an intelligent center. Oh, listen, I was, <laughs> And he is worth wins. The, the funny thing is, the, the, the saying in the NFL is, players win games. Coaches can't win them, but they can lose them. Right. Right? And and to hear Sullivan say that he wins games because of his schematics and, and the way he sets things up, I, that's amazing. And I, his ability to motivate. I, I yes. think that's underrated. It, right? yeah. I mean, you're talking about all these combustible, and I use air quotes here, combustible personalities. Everyone's making them. big money now. How do you keep them pulling in the same direction now that you're... You're the hunted, not the yeah. hunter. Right. I wish the one. One of these times, I want to accidentally leave the mic open when I'm in the locker room after the game, so you can hear like the post game, either how proud he is or how much work they need to do. Either way, it's all moving towards the same thing: getting better and winning championships. So it's not just X's and O's. That, and I'm glad he gets credit for that. He is on the cutting edge of offensive football, but the way he motivates and rallies and keeps guys focused and away from distractions to me is amazing. He's already building a Saturday night reputation, isn't he? You know what I mean by that? What's a Saturday night rep? Like the guy, Saturday night rep is when the players come to the yard on Sunday, still feeling like they want to run through a wall yeah. because of how he wrapped up the team meeting the night before in the hotel. It's they're all pointed in the right direction. They're all looking inside. It's all about the guys in the room, and they have a mission. And he's keeping them on mission and keeping them focused. So, uh, I, you have to credit him for that. Yeah, Mo, am I wrong though that McVeigh, despite his humility, might also be a target for the league this year? I mean, oh, I imagine no there are thirty-one other coaches <laughs> at the top and a whole bunch of staffers who are watching HBO Real Sports, being like, "Oh, oh he can remember every play from last year." Or test me. Oh, you don't right. have to play your starters in the preseason, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll, well see how I, that works out. You, you have to remember this too: coaches are competitors, and so I, I think last year, um, that Week Seventeen game, we kind of had a conversation in New Orleans about it, uh, Coach McVeigh, and he still feels that taste in his mouth. With like McVeigh, the, the the smile that Kyle Shanahan gave him at the end of the game. Oh yeah, like oh okay, 
Like, I, I still got you. You're still a little bro, right? But then think about what the Saints did. And we had this conversation with the Saints. Like, McVay doesn't forget. And that, and that, as a coach, you can never forget those type of things because that's what helps motivate players. Let's just remember preseason. I know it was preseason week four, but look what they did to us. Sean Payton. Sean Payton. Yeah, right? no, right? I, that, that was a statement. I don't think there's any way I, around that, what right? happened last Thursday night. Oh, no. In I, New Orleans. I mean, you almost want to walk across and say, look, whatever grudge you had, that left with the old staff. Right. No, no. But since you want to keep it going. He's right, throwing well, a log on the new one. That's yeah. my, my yeah. thing is like, hey, now I know. Right? Yeah. We're, okay. we're good to go. But I, I think, again, that is what makes it special because as, as a football player, coaches always try to tell you, take emotion out of it. We yeah. have to be this way. No. And I always tell people this. Cam Newton, when Cam Newton is high, you're going to get 15 and 1. And I want that. I want 15 and 1 every year. When he's low, you may get 6 and 10. But as a coach, it's my job to keep him high so we can get that mm-hmm. 15 and 1. Coach McVay is about that high. Listen, we were at our best last year doing this, this, and this, and this. And we still didn't accomplish our mission, so we have to do more. We have to do this. And then the players start to feel it. And then guess what? That high just starts to keep growing, keep growing, keep growing. If you can keep guys playing at a high level for a long time, all of a sudden, you're talking about those teams that go 16 and 0, 15 and 1, 14 and 2. Of course, it helps the cause when you have one of the most dynamic off seasons in NFL history. Uh, because of the Aaron Donald holdout, we have not seen 99 line up between Sue and Brockers. What Demarco might that look like when we see it for the first time under the Monday Night Lights? It's the scariest movie you've ever seen in your life. Um, I want Indomitian Sue or Michael Brockers to make the first play, to make the first sack, the big tackle for loss. I want Aaron Donald to start the game behind them so he can catch up and then extend and keep going and just drive the defense forward. But, you know, I, I just don't know how you block that, even with a simile, who's one of the better guards in the league. We'll bang heads with anybody. Hudson is a great center. I even like Gabe Jackson, the right the right guard. They feel like Gabe Jackson is their best offensive line. He's 340 and plays 340. So this offensive line probably looks at the defensive line and says, okay, bring it. They're not afraid. But still, if you get into an obvious passing situation, I don't care who you are. You're giving up pressure and probably sacks to that front. Is it beyond possibility that, you know, we've seen Wade move 99 out. I mean, even as the best three technique in the game, if he has his choice between a rookie left tackle and Colton Miller making his first NFL appearance and an aging coming off of an injury Donald Penn playing a new position at right tackle, could we see 99 line up over one of those guys too? It's funny. I mean, uh, somebody asked me this yesterday. Will Wade Phillips move him around? Possibly. Wade Phillips will say, I want you to pick on the week, but I think Aaron can call his own shot now. If he wants to rush over Penn or the rookie, he'll just say, slide in. I'll take this guy. Mm. And whoever's playing that spot will say, okay. And right. move. Well, you also think this, and Dominican Sue can slide outside too. He's done yeah. his career in Russia as a defensive end as well. So you have interchangeable pieces. Brockers can do it. I mean, so, so you have pieces that can move. I think the biggest thing to me is that, that those three have to dominate those interior three for the Raiders in order to win. That, that's, that's the matchup mm-hmm. of the game. That's it. Everybody else on the outside, all oh, that's all nice and dandy. That's the if, game. That's yeah. the game. If the, if the Raiders best players on their offense is, which is those front three, if they get dominated, the game is over. This is what makes me nervous about John Gruden because he's not stupid. You didn't play in the preseason. Donald Sue played what? Seven snaps? Michael Brockers? A handful? Marshawn Lynch is warmed up. He's played a lot of snaps in the preseason. So has that offensive line. So if I'm John Gruden, I'm bringing nine on seven to you oh, for the that's first what, quarter. Oh, you already know that. Let that's me see if you're game. ready to play and ready to tackle today, right now. Next question on defense Are we underestimating how tough it might be for Corey Littleton? I'm not too concerned because those guys up front and the way they run the defense, he's going to be running. Like even Ogletree last year w- without Sue and and 
and you know he was still running side to side. Yeah, yeah. Right now, granted, if they try to run at him, that may be a little bit different. But those guys up front should be able to handle that. Those three monsters up front should be able to take double teams and make guys have to bounce outside to where you're using your speed and athleticism. There's one guy that makes me nervous, and that's Keith Smith, the Raiders fullback, because you have light-in-the-pants linebackers. If they do get up on these guys, they might bounce them out. But I'll say this. With Corey Littleton, it's all about adjustments. He can run and hit. We've seen that last season. It's all about communicating and making adjustments. You don't have to make as many when that front is dominating. Mm-mm. It'll come off the bench. Don't adjust to anything. Just line up and play because we are dominating up front. If you're getting dominated, then it's going to be more on Corey Littleton to get you in and out of bad calls. I'm curious how it looks on the back end, too, because of the wide receiver defensive back matchups. Like, is it as simple as youthful, big Amari Cooper looking for a bounce back year against Marcus Peters? And then you kind of put the seasoned veterans on a side with Tlaib taking Jordy? Like, is that That's is, the matchup I see. Kansas, well, Kansas State all over again. You're right. Yeah. And, then, and then how do you contend with two or even three tight end looks when they trot Cook, Smith, and Carrier out there in some combination? Hold your breath. You just hope, you just hope LaMarcus Jordan can come out there and fit the run. Yep. Hold your breath. Jared Cook will be a factor. Jared Cook will be a factor for the Raiders. He is tough to stop. Anyone interested to see how Sam Shields is deployed? I mean, I'm assuming he's going to be part of the 46 live on game day, right? Yeah, he'll be a special teams guy. And then in certain situations, I think – you know he'll come in and, and either a safety will come off or a linebacker will come off. What if there? If you detach Jared Cook, which guy do you assign to him? Shields, oh. Roby Coleman. Remember, Jared Cook is no. what six, you know, six, you know five, six, six. You know how I'm attaching to him? Who? Talib, and then I'm going to put everyone else on the other side. Smart. See, that's the benefit of having Sam Shields and Nikel Roby Coleman. You are adjustable and, the, and a safety in Lamarcus yes. Joyner who played very well in the slot and could play yes. corner. Yeah. Uh, bonus Rams all-access poll question before we break here. Looking ahead to four-down territory, we'll go inside Oakland Raiders territory. Uh, who gets the first interception of 2018? Who gets the first pick for the Rams in this revamped secondary? Anyone want to venture a guess? The Marcus a I'll I'll go Littleton on a tip ball. A car tip pass, a basket pick right in the middle of the field. We put the uh, question out on social media. Over 1,200 votes cast. Peters leading the way with 47%. Joiner next in line, 32%. Uh, Talib got 10%. And others, the other category, 11 Littleton was a popular pick. Littleton was a popular pick. Here's my, here's my kind of thought going into this season defensively. Who's talked about Mark Barron this offseason? Nobody. No, no like, not in nobody. a positive way, no. Like, yeah. <laughs> when he's playing healthy and at his best, he is a Pro Bowl caliber linebacker. Yes. And, and I think if the traffic is clear in front of him, if he's allowed to play to his strengths, and if that surgically repaired foot, shoulder, everything holds up, I think he'd be in line for a big year. I hope so. Um, outside of LaMarcus and, I guess, Aaron Donald, and I don't think there's a more instinctive player in the football team. Really. Um, he just has a nose for where the ball is going to be, and he's got the speed to get there. All right. Time out here on Rams All Access Week 1 Edition. John Gruden on the Khalil Mack trade when we come back. Well, it pretty much set the stage of what it was going to be. And, uh, you know, $90 million guaranteed is, a, is an astronomical number. It's, it's, it's phenomenal, I think, for the players. Great for him, obviously. But uh, that was something we could not do. All right, that was Raiders head coach John Gruden, and this is a segment we call Four Down Territory, our weekly trip inside opponent's territory. Uh, joining us from the Bay Area and from The Athletic, he is John Middlecoff, covers the Raiders. Uh, John, your reaction to Gruden's story about uh, trading Khalil Mack and how that all went down within the Raiders organization? I think the tweet 
you know, from Derek Carr, from Bruce Irvin, immediately were pretty telling. It was, it was shock and awe. Even as the rumors kind of started flying, I think most of us, whether you live in the Bay Area or whether you live on the other side of the country, people thought, no way they're going to trade Khalil Mack. He's not trading Khalil Mack. And then when you actually read the tweet that he's been traded, you know, just your natural reaction is your jaw hits the floor. How do you think the locker room truly feels, and will that impact their performance on Monday night against the Rams? I think it has to a little bit. Now, ultimately, you know, you're still playing for pride. You're still playing for yourself. You're still playing for the teammates next to you. But, you know, for Derek, as an example, that was his best friend on the team. It was Khalil Mack and Derek Carr's team. And Derek's kind of hinted at this week some of – you know, they thought they were going to do it together, and now one of them's gone. But how does it affect the crowd? You know, John Gruden's making his much, you know, hyped debut at the Coliseum. Do they boo him? I mean, they, at five, a month ago, it would have been unheard of to think he doesn't get a rousing ovation. Now, this is this is rocked Raider Nation to its core. We're talking with John Middlecoff, who writes for The Athletic and covers the Raiders here on Four Down Territory. You know, the move signified to some that this team is rebuilding instead of contending in a wide-open AFC West. I don't get that with a quarterback who's been to three straight Pro Bowls and really strong skill position players. Uh, in 2018, John, are they still contenders, or are they now pretenders in the West? You know, I think a lot of people are calling them rebuilding, but anytime that you have a franchise quarterback and clearly a franchise head coach making a ton of money, you still your expectations may not be to win the Super Bowl anymore, but they should be a competitive playoff-level team. Uh, that, that's why they maxed out Derek Carr. For his last year, I wouldn't. Derek, to me, wasn't a pro bowler. But the last two years, he legitimately was. And he deserved that big contract. They, they added Jordy Nelson. They obviously have Amari Cooper. They have a highly paid offensive line. They drafted a first-round offensive lineman. You know, their defense may not be great, but their offense – you know, has no excuse not to be top fives, you know, in points scored. Yeah, they haven't been good on defense in a long time in Oakland. All right, so the theme of the offseason with the Raiders seemed to be add veteran aging big-name players. So I'm curious, on the current roster, which aging name still has the most juice in your estimation for 2018? Marshawn, Doug Martin, Jordy Nelson, Brandon LaFell just added – uh, Reggie Nelson on defense, Rogers Camardi, Derek Johnson. I mean, who's still got juice in that group? You know, it has to be Jordy Nelson for me. He's replacing Michael Crabtree that never could run from the moment he got in the NFL. Jordy Nelson has great ball skills. They're going to ask him to be a force in the red zone. It, it wouldn't shock me if at the end of the day he has eight or nine touchdowns. And Marshawn, Marshawn was solid last year. He wasn't the beast mode of old, but he by no means is over the hill. Well, thank you, John. It's been a long wait for week one to arrive and the longest wait for the Raiders and the Rams. They'll play the final game. Thank you for your insight on Oakland. Thanks, JB. Have a good one. And we continue with DeMarco Farr and Maurice Jones-Drew. Have not had a chance to get your reaction to what took place in Oakland since we last spoke in New Orleans week four of the preseason. You know, take me through it from your vantage point. Listen, the, the Raiders committed the number one cardinal sin. You never trade your best player. A player that you drafted, that you groomed, that you developed, and then all of a sudden, when it's time to pay him, you let someone else get enjoy those riches. That that's that's never to happen. But so remember when they were in town and Demarco, I think you brought this up that the way they want to play defense, they don't value 
Khalil Mack's position as much as the Chicago Bears, for instance. No, I, I mean, you want that three technique for that defense they're using. I can't remember his name. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Geno Atkins is there, was the three technique in Cincinnati for years. He's the East Coast or the Midwest version of Aaron Donald. He's just about as good, just about as dominant. Same spot. So you need that position, but, 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 look, if you have a once-in-a-lifetime guy like a Khalil Mack, that plays for you anywhere. That plays in yes. any defensive scheme. Um, it's just a shame that the Raiders, and I hate to say this, are in the position they're in that they can't afford a guy like that, um, either as a group, um, as an organization, number one, but as a group, as a, a group of teammates, that you can't get together and guys give up salary or restructure contracts to keep him. The last thing you want to do is play against guys like Aaron Donald, especially when he was on your team. The last thing you want to do is have to play against guys like Khalil Mack. You want to keep those guys in the same uniform. The thing that we just heard Gruden say is 90 mil was too much for the Raiders' appetite. What does that sound like to a locker room knowing that the head coach is making a hundred? He doesn't. He doesn't value defense. Well, this is this is the one thing I'll say. This if you're if you're a coach, regardless of if your defense uh, doesn't value that position, you value that player. So you find a way to make your defense value that 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 position. The same way you did with Derek Carr. The same way you did with you're going to do with Amari Cooper. Right, you're going to find yeah. ways to make these guys valuable. You have to do it on the defensive side. Defenses win championships. Wade Phillips has shown that. It won his championship. <laughs> it won his exactly. Super Bowl ring. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't anything anybody else. on offense. It was definitely a defensive deal in Tampa. But when you think about it, and this is the way he broadcasted games, and I loved listening to John Gruden call games on Monday Night Football. But everything was either an offensive success or a failure. He never gave credit to the defense, even on good rushes. Yes. He would say it's the quarterback's fault. You got to climb the pocket, son. Even on clean beats in the middle. So when he's watching guys like Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald, he may not appreciate what he's seen. He may say it's more of an offensive breakdown versus a defensive success. Of course, this impacts Monday night against the Rams technically in terms of personnel. Does it impact the Monday night football contest beyond that emotionally? State oh, of yes. the Raiders. Oh, li- well, it's gonna. How about state of the black hole? Well, no, I, I think oh, yeah. so. People are gonna show up regardless. You know, I'm, I, I live in the Bay Area. People are gonna show yeah. up regardless. That, that's gonna be there. But I tell you this much: if Arden Key or any other DN that doesn't Irving. do anyone, whoever it is, Irving, Carradine, anybody, if they don't show up, it's gonna get ugly fast. It's gonna turn yeah. quick. We're we're we're. We're, 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 as a one coach would tell me, we're on a one leg's on a banana peel, the other one's on a block ice, right? We're we're, we're teetering right now, and if it goes the wrong way, it's going to go downhill. I mean, they drafted Colton Miller first, but then they went defensive front. P.J. Hall in the second, Arden Key in the third, Maurice Hurst fell to them in the fifth. They better hope that those prospects deliver early and often, otherwise it could come off the rails. Hope in one hand and blank in the other. There we go. <laughs> All right, final segment first. of Rams All Access coming up. We'll go inside the numbers, plus our first look around the NFC West. San Francisco, Seattle, and Arizona all in action Sunday. That's still to come on ESPN LA 710. All right, final segment of Rams All Access before we hit the road for Oakland. Under the Monday Night Lights, it's week one. The Rams and the Raiders, McVay and Gruden. Back here. In our Los Angeles studio with DeMarco Farr and Maurice Jones-Drew, I'm J.B. Long. Look, I didn't ask your guys' permission for this, but what? how do you feel about doing kind of an NFC West season-long picks competition? We won't pick the Rams game. I don't want All any good. conflicts of interest here, but like if we just pick the Niners, Seattle, Arizona games week to week, see how we do over the course of a season. You I, love, I love competition. 
I'm in. DeMarco hesitates. I'm in. I don't want to get you. Is in there hot anything water. on it like food? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Have... We could do a dinner. We should okay. do a dinner every every week. All right, well, or every road game. All right. I like right. embarrassment more. You okay. know. <laughs> uh, let's start with uh, Garoppolo going on the road seven Lost. and zero. At risk against Minneapolis, only three quarterbacks have won more games to open a career, by the way, led by Big Ben with 15, than the current seven for Garoppolo to start his career. I already have MJD on this. He's going Vikings. Who you got? I'll take the Vikings, too. Okay, yeah. so two Vikings. You know what's interesting to me? I think the 49ers could be 3-3, three and 2-4 three, and four when the Rams visit. They could be 1-5. At Minnesota, home to Detroit. At Kansas City, at the Chargers, Arizona we talked about coming to town, and then at Green Bay on Monday night before the Rams come to town. Which game do you have them winning? I'm just saying, like, Garoppolo hadn't lost yet. They looked sharp winning their last five. Kyle Shanahan, I know you think highly of. I love them. Love them to death. But without Foster, especially for those first two weeks. It ain't good. I mean... They're they're kind of the the off season sexy pick, but man, with uh, Jarek McKinnon lost for the season with the ACL, given how much money they paid him, maybe Garoppolo is the the stuff. We'll We're see. We'll find out. We'll see. Yep. All right. So two picks for the Vikings. I will also take the Vikings. How about Seattle at Denver? Denver. You know, I may take Seattle at Denver. Um, Too many injuries, Marco. Well, I'm just I'm, I'm you, you do the you put all the starters in a hat and you pull out the best ones for one football team. And you get to quarterback. I mean, Russell Wilson. I don't care where he plays. Is but, dynamic. But who's he throwing the ball to? Baldwin's hurt. He he, he says he won't even be eighty percent all year with a knee injury. K KJ Wright's out. And then don't get me wrong. Griffin is a, is a heck of a player. It's a heck of a player. But this is his first start, right? You went from having three pass rushers to now only having one. Right. 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 I just don't. I, and then I I don't. I just don't see it. Earl ends his holdout. Shaq Griffin going to start. I think that's a pretty cool story. You're sticking with Seattle, DeMarco? I'm sticking with Seattle, yeah. yeah I'm going to side with MJD and take Denver. Last one, Washington at Arizona. Boy, nothing says Washington, Arizona like Alex Smith and Sam Bradford, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> the return of David Johnson. Meanwhile, Adrian Peterson going to start at running back? Yes. Oof. That's going to be a heck of a game. Uh, I'm going to go Arizona in this situation. I think Arizona de- defense is still solid. I mean, you lose Matthew, but other than that, they're, they're still decent. Offensively, Johnson should come out and have a big a big day. And I, I don't know what to expect from Washington's defense. I'll, I'll take Arizona from the newness factor. You always pull, play well for your new head coach, especially week one. And I do not trust the Washington Redskins at all. Yeah, I'm in on Arizona. I'm not saying they're going to be a playoff team, but I think for those who have put them in the bottom third, that bottom tier of the National Football League, I don't get it. Given what they scrapped out last year with how little they were working with, I think they could have a nice bounce back year. All right, a couple of inside the numbers here, and they're cautionary tales as we finish this week one episode. Five of the eight divisions last year were won by a team that finished third or fourth in their division the previous season. So there's kind of this pendulum swing. Mm -hmm. Since the 12-team playoff format adopted in 90, at least four teams have qualified for the playoffs every season that were not in the postseason the year before. So we don't see who these teams are. You would have a tough time, I think, finding four teams that were outside of the field last year, especially because the three in the South, I think, are all solid. Well, well, you got got the Texans, the Chargers. There's two. Um... You possibly. I thought like Dallas or maybe someone out of the East. Dallas or New York. Green Bay would be one. Yeah. So, I mean, you could find four or five right now. There's your team, Green Bay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and then New York. Let's, yeah, I yeah. mean, as much as I I don't know how that offensive line look, New York still has the ability to make the playoffs and, and be a, a tough team. 
Chicago this year's Rams trying to be? Mo is shaking his head. Nah. Might take an extra year. Uh, two quick updates on uh, rule changes in enforcement to finish with. The, the helmet rule, the helmet-to-helmet contact was kind of the story of the preseason. Uh, but it fell off since the clarification at the midway point. Thank God. First two weeks of the preseason, 51 lowering the head penalties called, but that number dropped to 20 over the final two weeks. So we'll have our, our eye on how that's called now that we hit the regular season. I think they ring that one in. I don't think they're going to give on the roughing the passer. Remember the rough in the passer called on on Juan Price uh, yes. and the and the Rams on that sack uh, yeah. against against Houston. We didn't like it, but I think they're still going to err on protecting the quarterback more than any other position. Uh, there was an increase in the preseason of a hundred and thirty two percent from last year in roughing the passer calls. Uh, dangerous. I mean, y- you want to protect the quarterbacks. I don't want guys taking liberties, and I used to be one of those guys. But you know, as a defender. When a quarterback is in a vulnerable spot and the referee's telling you ball is gone. Yeah. So just be smart. Out of time here in this week one season preview edition of Rams All Access. We'll pick it up at the Oakland Coliseum Monday, week one, finally here in the National Football League. This is Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710.